So we are back and we are back in a different fashion. This week's podcast, please bear with us, y'all. Um, we are thousands, Lou and I are thousands of miles apart. Usually we're a few feet apart from each other. And honestly, I'm welcoming this thousand of feet apart podcast or thousand mile apart podcast. I should say, uh, Lou, do you want to, do you want to tell the viewers or listeners what you're doing or you want to keep it a secret? Um, they should pretty much know that I'm right now in Gentile arena, uh, (laughs) getting the rafters ready for another arch madness banner to be posted up. (laughs) Well, I am, I'm far away. I'm in warm, sunny Phoenix, Arizona. Um, so I apologize to all those Chicago listeners who just had to endure the freezing cold week of March, but that's not what this podcast is about. This podcast is about the back to back Missouri Valley conference champion Loyola Ramblers basketball team. Uh, man, that feels good to say. He jumps, he passes out to Hunter, Hunter shoots off the rim, Brown gets it scores, it's over, it's over, we won, we won the ball game, Viola won the ball game, oh, we won, 60 to 58. I didn't know if we were going to, I don't know if we are going to pull it out, I mean after that loss to SIU, that was, that was rough, rough surfing. Um, but we did end up winning that the next game at UNI. We won that game 56-55. Um, again, it was kind of a microcosm of our whole season. It was up and down, and for a while towards the end, I think UNI had the lead, and then we came back with a, a I hear Uglock dunk and a free throw to ice the game by Lucas Williamson. And um, yeah, we ended up we did end up winning that game. Lou, what were your what were your initial thoughts on that game? Yeah, so I think we should talk about how we both agreed that this was going to be the loss, we thought, not the SIU loss. Um, so this was like a huge game coming off the SIU loss where we were like, what's going to happen with this team? Is this team going to respond to a loss? And they did respond. Uh, we got we got to give granted they got the W, and you gotta, that's grateful. Um, and is it the fashion we wanted to see? Not really. We only won by a point. Uh, but again, as we only won by a point last time we played you and I. So again... Uh, UNI is a team that can play in the Valley and is competitive. Uh, but um, I know we pushed this one out, and there are, we're going to talk about the stats we did great, and we're going to talk about, of course, things we want to see improve on. But this was definitely a huge win that we needed. Uh, another back-to-back loss would have been hard, uh, but this definitely helped us uh, get ready, set for the Bradley game, which we'll talk about as well. So, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. Before we played UNI, if they would have won both their remaining games, they could have finished tied first in the Valley. And instead, what did they finish? Sixth? Fifth? I think they finished sixth, right? Yeah, I think it was sixth, yeah. That's crazy. Um, But yeah, so crazy stuff. We pulled it out, and instead we were the ones who finished first. Um, So jumping into quick hitters here, um, one thing I mentioned on the preview podcast for this game was that with Lucas being back, um, potentially one of the four of our key guys. So one of Cameron Crotwig, Marcus Towns, Lucas Williamson, and Clayton Custer could have an off night as long as the other three played well and we could still win. Now that wasn't really possible with just the three without Lucas. Um, it wasn't really possible. You know, all three kind of needed to play well. Our three guys needed to play well in order to win a game. Um, but I think it's fair to say Lucas is back. 
Lucas is back and he is looking really impressive. Um, Lou, what, what did you think? I mean, the first game, well, like just the UNI game by itself, what did you think of Lucas? Uh, Lucas just adds, adds another level to this team. Um, this is instead of having the big three, we have a solid, fantastic four because Lucas is a kid who only as a sophomore knows the game. He knows the game to be, he knows to be a rambler. He knows the competitiveness that we need. And he just brings that to more of an added bonus. Um, Marcus and Cam Clay, they've all been there too, but don't forget Lucas has been there with them. Um, he was Ben's uh, understudy apprentice, as you want to say, last year. Now he's stepping up into the role. Of, he's the starter. He's the guy you can rely on for certain things. Um, but again, as I, to me, I think it was just amazing to see him that he was healthy out there um, after his recovery to the Evansville game. We uh, we lost that Evansville game when he came back, so it was a little tough to be like, oh, what happened to Lucas? But this game, it wasn't a question of what happened. It was like, oh, God bless that he's back because the man had four steals, zero turnovers. He had a great game from three, three for five, 12 points puts up. When you add his 12 points, of course, to the dynamic duo of Cam and Marcus this year, just adds a great uh, bonus. And again, this is a game that we needed guys to step up because we knew you and I would be a tough one regardless of what our record was at the end of the season and it's a game that we was grateful to win and having Lucas there just added so much depth yeah it was I I loved seeing him play and I just loved his energy I mean we know Marcus likes to play with a little bit of fire and you know Cam from time to time gets pretty hyped up when he makes an and one or something but yeah other than those two guys like I don't know like some of the other guys are kind of dialed back and it was really fun to watch Lucas like kind of go crazy towards the end. He hit a three, I think towards the end, maybe in the second half or something. And he got really hyped up and he's just like, he's someone that's so easy to root for. And that's so, it's so fun to see him back. Um, but yeah, in addition to Lucas, uh, being back and playing super well, Marcus had another strong game, uh, another 16 point showing eight rebounds, um, and my favorite thing he did all game was probably securing that tip out offensive rebound. And late in the second half, it must have been two minutes left to go. Um, little plays like that are something that you see, you know, your senior leader doing. It's one of those things that I was hoping to see um, Marcus do. And he did. And that was, it was cool to, to, to see that. Um, what did you think? How do you think Marcus played in this game against you and I? Yeah, no, of course, leading the score with uh, 16 points. Um, he played a great game. Uh, the thing that's going to uh, stand out to me are the three offensive rebounds by him. Um, I love when Marcus gets in there and be quite honest with you. Offensive rebounds or even just rebounds in general were a tough thing to watch at that with the SIU game. Um, just only issue we have to be real is uh, he had five turnovers, but and that's what we're going to talk about toward the end of the game. Um, it's a tough thing to stay competitive and Nothing wrong with Marquez. I still trust him with the ball. I trust pretty much all the starters with the ball. Um, just toward late the game, he had that one turnover that led to maybe a questionable few seconds that you and I could have won the game, beat. Like There were multiple things that could have happened. Um, but the thing is, again, this is a team that never really lets up. This is not a team that like one, a mistake's made. Oh, my head's down. No, they're up there. They're in the face. They're focused. Um, so, yeah, it just it's a matter of making sure that even on one night when you – uh, bring that person a person back and does great with four steals. You got to balance it out and make sure you don't drop off the face of the earth, maybe with five turnovers. But again, as 
that there were multiple other ways that the team really worked together. So I, I think Marcus still a dominant player. You, you could feel that right away. The man played 37 minutes out of 40. You can ask for anything more. The guy's going to play a great game for you. So it was great to see him still compete. But again, it's just as we move into the arch man, it's just limiting those turnovers. Again, it's not just him, the team overall 13 turnovers um, to only eight assists is something that we're going to need to make sure we work on to solidify an arch man tournament win. Definitely. Um, in addition to Marcus playing well, uh, Cam bounced back. He had a he had a tough first half, and if I remember correctly, I think he started that game 0 for four from the field, um, if not 0 for four, or something really close to that, like 0 for three. Um, and he finished the game uh, making his next six shots or somewhere close to that. He finished six or ten with 14 points, eight rebounds, three assists, a couple steals. Um, it was another solid performance from Cam. Um, I think these are the types of games you need to have from someone who's going to be on that first all NBC all team um, and he showed it um, other than again uh, like we mentioned with Marcus Cam had a few turnovers late in the game as well um, I actually counted between the two of them between Marcus and Cam in the last three minutes of the game they each turned the ball over twice and that's hard I mean you're not talking about a lot of possessions late in the game um, and to have four turnovers in three and a half minutes that's tough, um, but he did have a very impressive play where he got an offensive rebound, put it back, and got the N1. Um, so, I mean, he, he made the plays when he needed to, um, just trying to limit limit those those bad mistakes, like you mentioned with Marcus, too. Um, but, yeah, how do you think your boy, your boy Cameron Crutwig played? Yeah, Cameron Crutwig is kind of the – the the system that we run everything through that's the guy who if he's having a bad night then in my opinion that's the guy everyone needs to be picking up because Cameron Crump is a guy that touches the ball on multiple factors of rebounding assists and scoring um, so a game like this to to miss his yeah first four over four shots is it's a tough one for him but the thing is the kid's a smart guy and he doesn't give up this kid will go in there and he's battling he's battling he's not going to be like afraid to shoot his shot again. Granted, would I have liked to seen him shoot a three since last time we played you and I, he had a beautiful stroke from deep. That would have been nice, but that's asking a little too much. Let's be quite honest. But, um, he played a great game, uh, 60% from field gold. Nothing really more you can ask. He's going to be the highest field goal percentage guy in the team, usually every day in day out. So it's just, it's a great thing to see. Then with Lucas adding to the team, you can see other guys either spreading the floor more, being able to find another opening, or also just giving a relief. Um, Lucas is there for defense. That's his best thing. Granted, he's got a great three, but you know Lucas's defense is there almost every night. The kids on ball defense is amazing. So in my opinion, that saves from a guy just blowing by someone and having Cameron cut over in last minute, try to block, get called for a foul. Um, so there are multiple things that I think Crowig did great because he was able to have a little breather second, maybe, or able just to adjust. Um, he had three assists and from a center who really doesn't hold the ball much. That's a high number. Again, that's not as high as we all know. He does great assists. So it's great to see little stats like that point come out really throughout the night. Yeah. Uh, Cam had a great game. Uh, the one, one other thing I point to and it'll segue into the next point was Cam's uh, free throws. Um, not a great free throw night from him. Not a great free throw night for for the team as a whole. 
Um, only three players did have free throw attempts, uh, Cam, Marcus, and Lucas. And all of them were 50% or lower. And that's just, I mean, that, that's one stat, one stat you can point to. And if either any of those three guys have a good free throw shooting night, these games, this game isn't that close. Um, so, yeah, so free throws uh, were something I really was tearing my hair out over. Um, and then in addition to free throws, the only other thing that I wanted to point out, which we've talked about was were those late turnovers, um, I mean, 13 as a whole, not that great, uh, not awful, but not great. Um, and I think it was just the timing of the turnovers that were really, really frustrating. Wouldn't you agree? Lou? No. Yeah. Um, just to, to talk about first, the, the, um, free throws, a team that plays second half, you can't go, you can't go six of 14 from free throw in the second we only shot two in the whole first half so one of two okay that's yeah but to go six of 14 in the second half or sorry five of 12 six of 14 total but five of 12 you need to step it up a little bit especially again as we only won by one uh free throws are very important especially in the second half but throughout the whole game um it gives an added bonus bonus and it also just it's it's a shot that really isn't contested so i think that's something we need to redefine where we're at with the free throw. We, quite honestly, if you ask some of our listeners or fans, free throws, we're not really as confident as we are. We're last year, I feel. I feel we're sometimes questioning if it even is a good idea to go up there. Sometimes we might rather just a camera crop with a little spin move to the hoop. So, But then with the turnovers, if we're going to talk about it, yeah, you can't have more turnovers over assists. It's just bad. That's what they most stats people, they look at the assist-to-turnover ratio, and our ratio is more turnovers over assist to this game. And again, it's the late game turnovers. Just they they leave an added bonus. It's almost like two turnovers because you're you're stressing out over the clock. You're stressing out over the the spread of the last few minutes. So to have late game turnovers is just going to add more chaos. But again, it's it's the response these team needs to make off those type of instances. It's the the actions, the next play. They're not fouling on the next play as an as a little like oh my god, I can't believe we just turned off the ball foul. A little. So the fact that they stay in it and we, yeah, we won and was it a pretty win? I don't really think so. It, no one was really dominating throughout the whole game, but um, we dropped 32 in the first half, but we let them drop 32 in the second half. So we need to make sure we're still that second half team going into Arch Madness. And if we play you and I, if we play anybody, we need to make sure that we know that, oh, we might have a great first half, but it's that strong second half. Either we stay in it or even just beat them out that's where it's going to keep us separated from the whole rest of the pack. Yeah. I mean, I think you said it best when you said it was an ugly win, but it was a win. And, you know, at this point in the season, that's what we needed. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's going to wrap it up for, uh, the, the UNI game, uh, final score there, 56, 55, a little Ramblers did pull out the victory. And after that, now we're going to move on to the Bradley game. And the Ramblers are So the last final game of our regular season uh, where we had to sadly say goodbye to two of our most prolific seniors in the whole program that ever was at Loyola, uh, Marcus Towns and Clayton Custer. Um, We did send them off on a happy note. Uh, We won not only this game against Bradley, but a share of uh, the Missouri Valley Conference regular season title, um, back-to-back 
champs. That sounds nice. Um, and for Clay and Marcus, I mean, I don't know how else they could have gone out on a higher note. Um, Marcus played phenomenal. Clay came back in the second half and played really, really well. Um, so I think it was a super fun game for these two seniors to go off on a high note as Loyola Ramblers. Um, Lou, what do you, what was your take? You were there, right? Yeah, no. Um, it, it was, a, it's a, it's a sad thing when you have to say bye to uh, your seniors, but it's a very hard thing to watch two guys that have made such a huge impact on this program, uh, especially in the time Porter's been there. You have to say these are two guys that have absolutely changed the the feel of the program, what type of program we are. Um, and that's the type of guys we're recruiting now and the type of guys we're having. Last year we had a great class of guys who have been there from the beginning with Porter. Uh, both Marcus and Claire were new guys added on through their uh, halfway through their collegiate careers. And they're guys that made Loyola home. And it was great to have them. And we still have them for now going into Arch Madness. But uh, – for uh, maybe the last time we'll see them play in Gentile Arena, it was a great it was a great game to have them play because this game meant a lot, especially to this, the final standings. But it meant a lot as well to them to playing as great as they did uh, for Loyola in their time. Yeah, um, I don't know for any of you uh, Twitter followers of the podcast might have seen a little back and forth I had with uh, a certain Bradley. Uh, fan of certain Bradley account and he said that he wanted to see Marcus and Clay cry and I think he might have saw that I think I think they might have shed a tear when they were cutting down those nets for a second time and second time in a row two two years in a row um but it was just it was it was a cool game it was fun to watch um and Man, it was it was kind of it was kind of relieving to see it happen against Bradley. I mean, look, I'm not gonna point any figures, not gonna name any names, but it was fun to win against Bradley. Um, but uh, as I we mentioned before uh, regarding the Northern Iowa game, um, how one guy could have a bad night and the other three and three guys play well and we still win. Uh, this is what it looks like when all four guys play well. Um, and I still think this isn't the best this team can play. I mean, Clay had a pretty bad first half. I mean, well, I don't know. It wasn't awful, but did not play well in the first half. Um, so if, if we can get these four guys playing a full game like they did um, at times throughout the game, I mean, the ceiling for this team is not only – you know, an arch madness, uh, championship, but you know, maybe it's a couple games or more than a couple games in, uh, in March madness. Um, but so yeah, that's what this, this game looks like. If four guys play well, um, first guy we want to talk about, um, I mean, none other than the player of the year, Lou, uh, why don't you kick us off with the player of the year? Yeah, no, simply put, this is the player of the year. This will always be the player of the year in my eyes. Uh, if people don't see that, then I think they're blind. Um, but let's just talk about Marcus Towns in this one game. Uh, do we want to talk about how from a, from a, a UNI game, this man made seven for seven from free throw, uh, three for five from deep. Uh, the man only had two turnovers, but again, is he's holding the ball a lot. So people got to realize turnovers happen during games, um, three assists, um, and Oh, sorry, a 26 point outing, a 26 point outing, Ooh, another high outing for Marcus. 
Um, it's not new business to see him scoring those high 20s, low 30 games. Uh, we've seen it before, and maybe the, hopefully the Valley opens their eyes and see that uh, such a huge impact he makes this team. Um, as a team overall, I believe they had 12 assists in the first half alone, um, and that just really is a dominant first half. Uh, like Marcus had, Marcus had 18 points of his 26 in the first half. He was lethal. He was three, four from deep, six for nine. Um, and everyone was going off, but watching a team drop 12 assists in the first half, this team was controlling the game in the first half. This team looked like that team. We know they are. And again, is that's how they put up, uh, a great, a great 48 points in the first half to a 29, uh, that Bradley puts up. So again, is this, this team in the first half looked like a team that, Hey, this is the team we've been waiting for. This is the team that we know is going to be there. Um, so Marcus led this team. Um, other guys we're going to talk about came out, but it was just a great atmosphere to end senior night and absolutely watch our two seniors go out in such a high note, but also to watch this team continue into Arch Bandit's play on such a high note. Yeah. Um, the second senior, Clayton Custer, uh, pretty quiet first half. I mean, I think he had a few assists. Um, but did not score in that first half. And I was a little nervous. I mean, the team was playing well, and that was the most important part. Um, but uh, listeners of the podcast know we've both been, myself a little more, critical of Clayton Guster and his ability to um, to find his shot again. And in the second half, uh, he proved me wrong. And, um, you know, he scored 15 points. Uh, to hit two big three pointers, um, and I I really think especially one of his three pointers was a huge momentum shift. I mean Bradley was they were always hanging around. I think they got it down back to like ten or nine, and he had a huge three pointer at that point. Um, so Clay Clay had a great fantastic second half, um, and that uh, was really great to see him have that. Hopefully he can carry that into Arch Madness. Uh, what did you think of our, our other senior leaders last game at uh, Gentile? Yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah, we have to talk about his assist in the first half, even though, again, who wants to see a guy go zero points in the entire half? He had four assists. Um, he only shot the ball once. Um, so that's a little cringy to be like, why is our point card, why is it our general only shooting the ball once? But I think he knew this was uh, he's feeding the ball to other people right away. But then watching that surge of the second half, uh, letting a man just go off, and especially in a, in a game that means so much to his last uh, uh, game as a little rambler at Gentile, um, it means a lot to have him go off because then that just shows as Marcus and Cam went off in the first half with 18 and 12 points. This man went off in the second half, and this, that's what we needed. We need another person to give a surge in a game. If two guys get one half, then the other two can get the next half. And that just means so much to a team that uh, needs more depth in scoring and more depth in guys who want to step up. And as Porter greatly says, next man up. And what our dynamic duo throughout the whole conference play has been amazing. Now we have the three musketeers with Clay or we had the Fantastic Four with Lucas, or just the Fat Five with Ukok doing just the simple, great things we need them to do. And that's the thing. And then having the bench just come up and help him. So having Clay then have a great game just shows you the the vibe he might set for the whole tone of a team. And that's great to see. Yeah. And uh, next guy, Cameron Cartwig. I mean, 16 points, five rebounds, six assists. 
you know, what, what more could you want from this guy? You, you know, you, you take him, you, you get this, you, you talk about Cameron Crowley, you go for it. Yeah, no, um, I, that's, this is my man. Would I love to see a double double? Of course. But do we want to talk about how a center had six assists, six crazy. assists from a center? This just tells you this man knows how to facilitate a ball. This man knows when the ball's with him, he knows how to do it. He knows if you give him the ball, man, someone's scoring. If we did the stat of how many points he's responsible for, I'd say he's really up there. He's responsible for a lot of our points this year, both him scoring and the assist he makes. Um, never backing down. Six for seven from free throw. That's something you'd love to see even from big, the big guy, Cam. Five for seven overall field goal. 16 points. That's just another great outing. Uh, so just maybe grabbing a few boards, but you know what? We have multiple, we have another guy named Lucas grabbing boards as well. So we're spreading it out. No guy is stressed to make one absolute effort anymore. We don't need that one guy just taking over the ball for the whole thing. Cause we have multiple guys and you can see that with Cameron giving six assists. That means he's at six other times where he trusted other guys to score. And that's what we love seeing is when our leading scorers look to find other guys and other guys are responding. And that's just something that we'd love to see from this game. This game was a dominant game. Uh, the second half, as we know, no, this was senior night. This was more of a let's relax. We have the lead. So we're not pushing a pedal to the metal like we did in the first half. But this team, if they play as good of a first half in any game, they played Arch Madness. I know this team has something special to do. Yeah, you said it best. Um, um, next guy, Lucas Williamson. I uh, had a great, great first half. Um, all around offense, defense, rebounds, steals, assists. Uh, he had one of those. Um, I think in the second half, uh, we saw him really just lock in on defense. I don't think he, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if he scored in the second half. Maybe he had a basket. Um, yeah, I believe he had one basket. Yeah, he scored eight points in the first half and uh, two points in the, the second half. Yeah. But the nice thing about Lucas Williamson is even if he isn't scoring, he is providing you great defense um, and is yep. someone who can facilitate the ball too if, if uh, they need him to. And uh, that's what he did in the second half. Um, I think we will see him have more halves like the first in which he scores. But even if he's not, he's still providing you with quality, quality defense and someone you can trust uh, at the free throw line and to handle the ball. Um, so great game from him. Um, and did you want to throw any thoughts in there about Lucas? No, you said it great. The man plays stellar defense and that's all you need to know about Lucas Williamson. Um, yeah, he's going to score points, but to have a guy who's consistently there on defense, like you said, it's just absolutely amazing to trust a guy like that. So, yeah. Um, and then kind of the other guys, uh, who got some quality minutes in this game, um, Ublock, I thought played great. Eight points, seven rebounds, two assists, even, which is kind of unique for him. Um, I thought he provided quality minutes. He did have two turnovers, not not too bad, um, but again, played great defense. Had a great dunk that you know we love to see him get those dunks. Um, Twenty-seven minutes, and uh, yeah, he played he played well. Um, do you want to take uh, Cooper? What do you think of Cooper's game? Yeah, Cooper just. Guys that just come off, uh, Cooper put 16 minutes in. That's just a consistent thing. Um, he, he put up, what, I think he was 0 for 1 from 3. Uh, so that's a little tough to see for for Cooper. But uh, these are guys that he plays good minutes. Um, he had a steal, which made my day. Um, 
because uh, defense is something we kind of worry about him. Again, the kid's a freshman. Uh, this guy's a freshman stepping into roles behind Lucas Williamson, stepping behind roles of Clayton Custer, even Marcus Towns. So it's tough. Um, but again, is that he never lets up, never gave up. Um, that was a thing to watch. These these kids are battling, and um, they know how important this game was. They they quite honestly, the Valley played this game as the last game of the Valley weekend for the purpose of Loyola being such an important game. They knew that as a team, this was an important game, regardless of what happened in the Drake game or Missouri game. We had to win if we wanted to be someone in the Arch Madness. We had to win. Regardless of any other game, and uh, that's the, the the idea that players like Cooper come into and they show. Um, we can add. I'll even start off with Bruno. Bruno, not great from shooting, but the man, uh, no turnovers, um, and that's something you want to see. Even though his shot might not have been there, as we know now with the depth of other guys, we have other guys to score. Granted, do we want to see Bruno making at least one three? Yeah. That's what his shot's supposed to be. So we want to see that improve because we need to see that improve during Valley play for Arch Madness. But guys can't be having, as we said in the Bradley game, silly turnovers. And that's why we had such high assist. Um, we had 18 assists for a whole game over to 10 turnovers. I think I would have to check it and I'll get back to you guys. But I think that might have been the highest assist game we've had in a it's long not- time. Yeah. Um, but no, like you mentioned the whole assisted turnover ratio, this is kind of a, a perfect game. Anything that's near two, like if, if you have twice as many assists as turnovers, you're going to have a really good night. Um, and like you mentioned with Bruno, I, I don't mind him taking three threes. I mean, all three of the threes are wide open. We've seen, exactly, yeah. we've seen him hit two or three before in a game. Um, and if they're going to forget about him from out there, you know what? Like, Give me, give me three wide open Bruno threes. I doubt he misses all of them again. The only thing that I saw that Loyola really struggled with were just a few mental lapses on the fast break that Bradley capitalized. There's, there's a few early, like three or four, a um, couple open threes. That one dunk that was top five on Sports Center. Which oh, boo. That, I mean, props. I mean, that was that wasn't who who even was that? Like, what's his name? Do we know that's, right. that, that's what we that's what we say with these teams like this who want to dunk late in games or early in games and just think they're think they're something hot. I mean, l- listen, give that guy his props. He went up. He dunked over Lucas. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, man. That was that was impressive. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it didn't matter. It didn't lose by two. You know, they lost by 13. So, shoot, give that guy his his sports center props. Um, but the point here being can't have those mental lapses anymore. I mean, you know, all, you know, we're not going to win all our arch madness games by 13. So, uh, some mental lapses like that, um, can lead to the big, big, uh, ramifications on the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, um, I, I agree, um, with the whole mental lapses. Um, we could even just highlight I, when I, I saw the Frank block, his defense is a little spotty because he's learning the game itself. But again, is the guy's committing to defense with the block. He's not letting up and go, Oh, I just got burnt or something that he's going. And that's the, this, the way the team needs to go is regardless of the score. They need to know that they need to calm it down, breathe because little quick mental lapses could turn the tide toward the other team. Um, so it's just, it's a big, it's a big momentum shift when you have little mental lapses. But again, this team, having the depth they have now adding with Lucas in the starting lineup just gives more roles to guys that 
can fill in for when another guy's down or just if they're all hot for one night, it looks one of the most fantastic teams in all of college basketball out there. Definitely. Um, that'll do it. I think, uh, I mean, senior night went in clinching the, the regular season title, uh, four guys in double digits. Um, I mean, what a, what a good way to send these guys off. Um, sold out crowd. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, but at the end of the day, we did secure the victory 81 to 68. Um, and, uh, what a fantastic basketball game. Um, so going to move on, uh, going to break down our arch madness matchups, maybe talk a little bit about, um, our Valley predictions. Um, but yeah, that'll, that'll do it for the Bradley game. All right, so now to break off from game recaps, let's talk about conference awards, something that we've been kind of throwing in here and there on the podcast, specifically player of the year. Um, but we're going to just kind of give our predictions. I mean, we're not voters. We don't, we don't actually have any say-so on these awards. Um, but we'll throw out who we think um, from our opinions on seeing the teams Loyola's played. And also, you know, we both like to watch Valley basketball games in general. So we know a little bit about uh, the conference as a whole, but we're going to address player of the year, coach of the year, newcomer and freshman of the year, probably at least the first and second team, um, all MVC. Um, so those are some of the things we're going to touch on here. Um, first of all, player of the year. I, I mean, is there really a question? What, I, I don't I mean, anyone who doesn't vote for Marcus just probably hasn't watched the games. Like, I, I don't know how you don't vote for Marcus. Um, I get that there is an argument for Cameron Crowley. He's been great. He has been rock solid all year. He scored over 10 points in every single conference game. He had a few double doubles. Um, but when the team needed a bucket, they went to Marcus Towns. They went to Marcus Towns running the pick and roll or Marcus Towns creating for himself. Um, I mean, the dude averaged, what, 18 points a game in Valley play, um, which, you know, that that's super impressive. Um, so, Lou, I mean, how do you not vote for Marcus Towns? Um, yeah, the only way you don't vote for Marcus Towns is if you were blind and you never heard of Missouri Valley Conference play. I, mean, um, I, I think that just people need to realize that Marcus Towns is a person who was dominant through every game, pretty much. Um, and when he wasn't, there was a few guys. And, of course, Cameron Crutwig isn't a fantastic player. He's a great player. Um, politics aside, whether senior versus sophomore, all of that, um, I do think both of them are great candidates. Um, do I feel Marcus has the edge a little bit? Yes, because he just seemed more of a, a force out there. But Cameron Crutwig... If, if he did win it, it deserves it. Um, but I, I would have to give my vote to Marcus Towns just because of the senior, of the level, though, that he kept to. Again, you have, people have to realize, though, Marcus Towns is a different player than was last year. Marcus Towns is also the player last year who hit the game shot against Nevada. So this is a player that has even turned up his level of commitment and even uh, passion for the game. And during Valley play, he was just absolutely fantastic to watch. So I think... Marcus Towns, without definition, uh, deserves it. Yeah, just some some stats here, just to, to further prove our case. So Marcus Towns did lead the Missouri Valley Conference in, in uh, scoring, uh, 18.1 uh, 
Um, he uh, was third in assists per game at just a tick over three point or just a tick over three. I finished with 3.2 assists per game. Um, what else? There's something else. Uh, he was top 10 in three point field goal percentage. He finished seventh, uh, just under 42%. Um, and then, uh, you know, also just playing the second most minutes, um, playing the second most minutes of all the players in Missouri Valley Conference. So he was, he was the guy that was on the court, um, consistently. Um, so the only other player I see, uh, that has a legitimate shot at even just getting a few player of the year votes is Drake center, Nick McGlynn. Um, he's had a fantastic year. I mean, he finished, uh, in the top 10 in scoring. Um, he was seventh. He was the number one rebounder in conference. Uh, I know he blocked, you know, his fair share of shots. But he also, in the most important game of his season, which was against Loyola in the second contest, um, he he had an awful game. He had, I think, what, like seven points, three rebounds, something some, some not good. And in that same game, Marcus Towns went off and scored 32 points. So, I mean, you know, in just the head-to-head matchup, Marcus won. And I mean, I know that's not all that is important for the player of the year. Um, but uh, overall, Marcus just had a better season than Nick McGlynn did. Um, so, I mean, we can move on from the player of the year. Uh, it's Marcus Towns. So, so let's move on. Um, <laughs> coach of the year. Uh, two cases. Um, Drake's head coach and uh, Missouri State's head coach. Both of them first-year coaches. Um, it was DeVries at Drake and Dana Ford at Missouri state. Um, both guys, first year coaches. I mean, they both pretty much uh, took over jobs at schools where, um, I don't think either team was really, uh, hoping, um, or they were, they weren't really expected to, to make much noise in the, in the Missouri Valley this year. Um, but if you had a vote, who would you be voting for Lou? Um, it would, uh, I would have to say Drake's coach just etches it out a little bit. Um, again, finishing, it, it just happens to be they, they share the title for regular season champs. It's a huge thing to come off during, after your first year. But uh, Ford, you, you, we can't disregard Ford. Ford just after his first year as well, he's doing something right down in Missouri State. Um, no hiccups, really. Um, just a great play. But uh, Drake's coach just edges it out. You, win, winning your winning your regular season champs your first year is just a, an amazing thing. And you got to give credit to that. Um, but again, it's Ford um, is really high consideration as well. So it's, uh, there's nothing wrong uh, with either, but I think uh, Drake's just that little separates himself with that regular season champion. Yeah. I mean, I was going to, to cast my vote for Dana. I figured vote. Um, but just doing a little bit of research here. Um, Drake had three scholarship players when DeVries arrived in Des Moines uh, when he took over that head coaching job. So pretty much taking that roster from literally a team that could not field a team with three scholarship players uh, to, you know, winning a share of the Missouri Valley Conference. um, That's super impressive. Um, But Dana Ford, um, you know, also – with you know his his best players were two newcomers and Webster and uh, um, De Silva, so I mean props to him. But um, yeah, let's I think uh, we can both cast our votes for Devries at Drake. 
Um, so next, um, the next thing, let's just move into newcomer of the year. Let's stick with these single uh, people awards. Um, I think there's a couple guys. Um, so for, for anyone who might not know, newcomer of the year um, is awarded to anyone who is the best player who is new to the conference. So whether that in sometimes could be a freshman, um, but oftentimes it is a transfer player who comes in um, and is the best, you know, newcomer, the best new player in the conference. Um, so this year, there's a couple guys that I think stand out above everyone else. And um, as a player on Drake and a player on Missouri State, Drake's Brady Ellingson, uh, sharpshooter guard, and um, Missouri State's uh, big guy, De Silva, or you know, he's a stretch four, tall forward. Uh, De Silva there, um, but if you had only one vote, who would you be casting it for, Lou? Um, it, it's a tough one, but I think De Silva just happens to stretch it out uh, for me. Um, the guy just consistently always there. Um, pretty sure he's won even a Player of the Week and Newcomer of the Week recently together. Um, so I think he's just always been there. He's not like he was quiet during Valley play. Um yeah, so I think that's just he's the type of guy that was there and really put it out uh, on the court. So I think he was uh, always, again, a man who was top 10 in points per game, but also the second in rebounding per game in Valley play is great. It shows that he's around the whole time. And even just in our experience with the games he played against Loyola, he was great. So um, high-level competition, so I'm going to have to give it to out to him. Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree. I mean, I think De Silva, great player, um, but I think we're splitting hairs here in our disagreement. I, I'm gonna go with Ellingson. I mean, he um, he shot 54 percent from three point range, which is like absolutely insane. I I mean, I don't even I don't know what Steph Curry shoots, but it's got to be something pretty close to that. Um, so I mean. Uh, great player. He played the, he averaged the most minutes in all of Missouri Valley conference. Um, so, I mean, both players I think are very worthy. Um, but I think I'm going to give the, the slight edge to, to Brady Allen on, on Drake there. Yeah, uh, no, and I, I totally get that because like, again, is it's, it's not about, again, we aren't voters, so it's up to the voters, but again, is it's, it's whatever stats or whatever moments stand out to them. Um, but both people need to realize both guys are really deserving of it. They both, showed up it's not like one overpowered the other in voting i would say so i think it's both it would be deserving yeah yeah um and then the last uh, individual award or last individual award we're gonna talk about is freshman of the year um viewers i mean our listeners you know it's a the freshman is the guy who plays for the first time in his career in college um and so this award is given to the, the freshman that uh, voters deem as the best um so a couple of a few guys here that um might be worthy of this award sadly i don't think our own cooper kyphus is just um worthy enough i mean he had a great season but uh the three guys that i think uh, have a legitimate um chance at this award are uh, aj green on northern iowa a guard kind of killed us both times we played them um and then uh, Javon Freeman, who is a uh, guard on Valparaiso, um, super impressive, really impressive defensively, very athletic. He kind of came on towards the middle, he had a very good middle of his conference play, and then he kind of faded off towards the end. 
Um, and then the last guy, uh, DJ Wilkins, um, on Drake, who unfortunately did just break a bone on his ankle in the last regular season game and will not be playing in Arch Madness. Um, but he was a guard at Drake and, uh, I think he averaged around 11 points. Um, and he led that team in assists as well. Um, so very talented trio there. Um, my pick, um, shoot. I think for me, it's between A.J. Green and Javon Freeman. Um, I think I'm going to have to give it to A.J. Green just from what I saw. Um, I loved how Javon Freeman played. He plays vicious defense, quite like our own Lucas Williamson. Um, But A.J. Green seemed to get buckets kind of left and right for that Northern Iowa team who didn't really have a whole uh, whole lot of guys who created shots. Um, So I'm going to give it to A.J. Green for his um, impressive season. Uh, great three-point shooter, um, really lanky. He's going to have a really impressive career there at Northern Iowa. Um, do you agree, or who, who are you casting your vote for? Um, actually, uh, it's a tougher one for me. I think um, I'm a little disagree. I think uh, um, well, I'm going to disagree with just the, the two I'd fight it over. I think mm-hmm. DJ Wilkins, um, for a person that uh, played 34 minutes as a freshman, that's a high number of minutes um, as a freshman in Valley play. Um, or or you and I, AJ Green, I think both of them. Um, but we have to talk about Javon Freeman. Um, I think that man will be a name you're going to hear in uh, Player of the Year Valley uh, contention in a few years. He again, I totally agree. Uh, Javon Freeman came on kind of halfway through the middle of the Valley play, but when he did come on, it was great. Uh, the kid led the Valley with uh, uh, steals per game, so that's just amazing that this kid is so confident to get out there. But moving into DJ versus AJ. Um, AJ Green, always a competitor against us. Um, eighth in points per game as a freshman. I believe he's, he was, he's the highest freshman points per game in the Valley. Um, so it was just, again, is I think DJ just being there minutes per plate is amazing, but I'm going to have to actually agree, though, with the final vote would have to go to AJ Green for freshman of the year, just with the amount of scoring he does, you know, always in your face in a game and just um, always there for you and I. And I think as a freshman for a team like you and I, who's had the experience of always being a dominant Valley team, leading the team um, as a freshman is big at you and I. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So that's our, uh, that's our individual awards. Uh, The next topic, uh, first and second team. Um, So for listeners, uh, first and second team, there's also a third team, but I think we're just going to stick to the first two. Uh, five guys on each team, uh, kind of like your all-star. So the first team is the five best players in the Missouri Valley Conference, and then the second team is the next five. Um, so for me, uh, I think there's two guys immediately that we both can agree on. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe we both agree on Marcus Towns and Cameron Crutwig. Would you say? Yes, so? player of the year, Marcus Towns and Cameron Crutwig, yep. Correct. Um, so really it's a discussion of three more players. I'm going to go with Nick McGlynn uh, for one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the next guy who I'm most confident in is Armand Fletcher, who mm-hmm. really came on towards the second half of the season. Um, he did have that weird like suspension thing happen to him towards the beginning of the season. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he even missed two of the Valley games. Um, but, I mean, he put up some like crazy numbers at the end of the season. And he did finish in second in scoring. Um, he means a lot to that team. And I think he plays really good defense, too. So I'm going to go with Armand Fletcher with my fourth. 
And then after that, I think I'm going to have to, and I don't want to, but I think I'm going to have to give it to an Illinois State Redbird, and I think I'm going to have to go with Malik Yarborough. Um, he's just an incredible athletic specimen. He did finish fourth in scoring. Um, he pretty much, if, if that team is doing well, it's because of Malik Yarborough. Um, you know, some of the other seniors like Phil Fain and, uh, Keyshawn Evans really didn't have senior seasons like they were hoping out there, down there in Illinois state. Um, so I'm going to have to give it to Malik Yarborough for my fifth spot. Uh, who are your other three besides Marcus and Cam? Yeah, no, I'm going to have to agree on four for four out of our five. I totally agree. Marcus, Cam, uh, Armand Fletcher, Nick McGlynn, uh, definitely all first-team guys. I'm going to kind of maybe throw one out there. Again, he's my pick for Newcomer of the Year. Um, so I'm going to have to give it to De Silva. Um, I think they might uh, spread it out and give him first-team. Again, is um, I would definitely would – I'm going to have to be – for our listeners, a few times we say this, but I'm definitely have to hard disagree with Malik Yarbrough. Um, again, we're not trying to cause any hate, but uh, well, toward Illinois State maybe, but um, Illinois State did not play that well this year, and I think um, he's a reason. Even though you're dropping 16.4 points again, game, and then he had another Phil Fain dropping 16.1. Um, so yeah, uh, maybe uh, the only other one I could maybe think of is Daryl Brown, maybe sneaking in there from Bradley. Um, Brady Ellenson maybe again is uh, I don't with Drake winning regular season so I can maybe see them give two as well players but again is uh, for first team I'm gonna go Marcus has agreed Cameron has agreed Armand Fletcher definitely has agreed Nick McGlynn but I'm just gonna throw out uh, my uh, different pickup to Silva so yeah but moving on to second team then yeah um, that's a it's an interesting point I like the De Silva call um, so yeah second team it gets a little a little more uh, a little different. Um, probably disagree a little bit more, but, um, I definitely want to throw Tyreek key on there, um, for an Illinois or an Indiana state team that really wasn't that great. He was kind of the lone, um, impressive. He finished third in scoring, uh, in the whole conference. He's only a sophomore. So dudes, dude, someone to watch out for for the next two years. Um, so I'm going to go Tyreek key. Um, I'm going to throw Darrell Brown on there. The guard, uh, junior guard from Bradley. Um, I'm also going to throw. Hmm, I'm going to throw Phil Fain, another Illinois State Redbird. Um, people, crucify me in the comments, please. Um, big guy from Illinois State, impressive season. Um, again, on a really disappointing uh, season for for Illinois State as a whole. Um, so I got Key, Phil Fain. Darrell Brown. I'm going to throw Tulio De Silva on there for sure. And then also um, Brady Ellingson. So the two guys that we talked about for newcomer of the year, um, those two guys are going to join uh, Darrell Brown, Phil Fane, and Tyreek Key. Uh, what do you think? Any any of those guys you agree with? Yeah, no, definitely Tyreek uh, Key oh, as a sophomore. Impressive 17.5 points a game. Um, I'm going to have to add uh, Phil Fane as well. Um, definitely going to stay strong. Um, Brady Ellenson, definitely. That's a that's a really strong one. Uh, Darrell Brown from Bradley, I can easily see. Um, maybe A.J. Green beating him out. That's the only other kind of guard I could think, but A.J. Green's a freshman, so I kind of see him more giving it to Darrell Brown. Um, I'm going to have to add Malik Yarbrough again. That's the difference, me to Silver on the first team. Uh, Malik Yarbrough now on the second team. Um, kind of kills me to see even Illinois State getting two guys. But these, both those guys dropped a high amount of points just 
did not get the the wins as they wanted for their team. So yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if one of those guys kind of gets kicked to the third team just because. Yeah, no, it wouldn't. Be. Yeah. But just because they didn't do too well. Um, but I mean, they had impressive seasons as statistically at least. Yeah. Um, I mean, other than that, some other guys that you know, just some names that might get thrown on there. Um, Elijah Childs from Bradley, I think, is worthy of at least a third team. Um, he might sneak on the second team. Um, uh, Kavion Pippen, the center from SIU, he was on, I think, he was definitely on at least the third team from last year. He might have made second team. Um, I believe wasn't Pippen a newcomer of the year? For who? I think Pippen might have been newcomer of the year. Oh, he might have been, yeah. Was it two years ago? Because um, Krotwig was last year. Okay. He might have been two years ago. Um, but he's impressive. He's a good player. Uh, the one thing I love to see is Krotwig always kind of destroys him in the post, which is super fun to watch. You know, sorry, newcomer was Malik, of course, last year. Sorry. Oh, you forgot about that. Cameron was freshman of the year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Josh Webster is a, a talented guard from Missouri State. He led from the Missouri State, yeah, a lot of a lot of assist. Um, another SIU player, Aaron Cook. So there's there's some guys. I think once you get past the second team, there's probably a list of like eight or ten guys that I could see making the third team. Um, one guy who I and again is oh. no, no, no. All I was gonna say is the only guy that I I wish could sneak on that third team, but I really just don't think he will is uh, our, our general Clayton Custer. I just, I mean, they might give it to him just cause you don't think, think you hold what go for it. What are you saying? I think he's definitely a third team third. I think he's definitely maybe third team talent. Second team would be a tough one, but I could see him being thrown onto a third, third team. I could see it just for the sake that he was the player of the year last year. I, Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be – I would be a little more surprised if he actually made the third team. But, I mean, we can we can agree to disagree on that one. Um, it was a bummer for him. I really thought, you know, all he had to do is pretty much be the third best player on this team. And he was he was set for a, at least a third team. But he just – he wasn't consistent. He was too inconsistent. Um, but the only other thing I wanted to talk about um, is can both Cooper Kyphus – and his hair get separate freshman of the year team nominations. Do you think? Do you think that the, that, that yeah, I think when he when he doesn't cut his hair, they they can get uh, nominations um, for each because having that long hair, those long locks help for when he makes those long deep threes. So I definitely I can see that point. Um, but no, seriously, I do think that there is a shot that. Um, Cooper does wind up as that fifth player on the freshman of the year team. Um, as we mentioned, there's three guys that are kind of head and shoulders above the rest. AJ Green, Javon Freeman, and DJ Wilkins. Those guys are for sure going to make the all freshman team. Um, and then once you get past that, I think there's like two or three guys. Cooper is one of them. Um, and I think he might just sneak onto the team considering he, he played an important role. He was consistent, and Loyola was one of the, the winners of the, the conference. What do you think? For a freshman team, um, I can yeah, I definitely we're gonna we're gonna we like we talked to AJ, DJ Wilkins, um, who's my other man? Um, AJ, DJ, uh, Javon Freeman, guys like that. So I can, but I can see Cooper um, as a freshman really dominant. Can his first ever college game, he dropped 19 points. So uh, this this kid means business, and he was 
uh, he was there one deep. So uh, I can see him sneaking on, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, all right. I think that's going to do it for us. Um, I'm going to have a have a unless you did you want to give your thoughts about the Arch Madness? I'm going to have an and one podcast later this week. But did you want to give your thoughts on? Uh, yeah, if you, yeah, if you don't mind, um, cool. Arch Madness, um, as sweet it is to see us as number one seed, you have to really look at the bracket. Um, again, as we're, we're, we, we're excited right now. Uh, to be the one seed. I, I think people also need to be excited to see uh, our good friends, Illinois State, playing on a Thursday night game. I think we need to address how we are very excited to see them on a Thursday night game. Um, we're we, we're going to play the winner of Indiana State versus Valpo. Um, again, as we play Valpo, Valpo has played those really close. Indiana State game was uh, better for us. Um, but then ultimately, um, we need to then look forward toward uh, the semifinalist game with Bradley, Missouri State. Um, of course, we'd love to play Pratt at least, especially after the last game. But um, I think all these games, as we know, conference play, we showed it. All these games are going to be close. I think all these games, again, one winner, but they're not weak teams. The Valley is really strong, um, so it would be great. Um, I'm going to put it out there. I want to see Evansville beat Illinois State on the Thursday night. Um, but I can see you and I, again, we all know, and you, you've mentioned this many times, you and I is a, is a late Valley bloomer team. And during the conference play and during even Arch Madness, they're a team to watch out for. But um, I'm excited. I know we're all excited, and it's going to be a great. It's going to be a great thing to watch. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for your, your thoughts. Uh, do you have any do you have any predictions? Who who are we playing in the championship game? Who do you think? Uh, well, I definitely agree. I love to hear that we're playing the championship game. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, is uh, it really is anyone's game? But I I think with Drake now losing GJ Wilkins, I don't see them even maybe making it out of the semifinals. So I don't see them really winning, going to the finals with us. So in reality, it could be a UNI or Southern. And that's kind of crazy. Southern then sliding to third um, was interesting because Missouri State with the loss. But I can I can easily see UNI making a late push and being a team that we end up playing in the final. So I'm going to say Loyola versus UNI. Again, I'm going to be – could be totally wrong. But as people if people look at past MVC – history you and i is always a team that's there so it's not really out of left field but it's a it's a it's a far fetch one yeah um that's good good thoughts i'm gonna save my predictions for the next podcast so yeah i know a little bit of a little bit of a mystery um but uh, i like to hear your thoughts as well um so yeah i think that's gonna wrap it up here uh hopefully hopefully you guys are still tuned in um thanks for thanks for bearing with us uh you know we're we are thousands of miles apart um so thank you for for bearing with all that um but this has been a another episode of podcast 63 here um with lou and buck um that'll do it go blurs go blurs